0: Are you in a state of recovery? Do you want more clarity and direction? Have you built your foundation and wonder what lies beyond recovery? Do you wanna discover what you are truly capable of? And are you ready to discover your purpose, learn to overcome your limiting beliefs and change your mindset? Are you ready to discover the key to living a purpose-driven life? When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, and strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost, but our journey doesn't have to stop there. This is the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. After overcoming my own 20-year battle of addiction to drugs and alcohol, I have now dedicated my life to empowering those in recovery to rewire their brain so they can change their story. And enhance the recovery even further. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Super grateful that you're here. And what I'm grateful for today is that I have this podcast that I get to use as a platform to meet these incredible people and make these amazing connections. You know, before I came on and recorded today, I actually had a pre-interview call with someone else in recovery that wants to be a guest. They want to share their story and it is such a cool, cool experience to be able to meet people from all over the world and instantly have this connection because we have this thing in common, you know, it's called recovery. And so it always spurs these incredible conversations. and. You know, if you're listening today, I encourage you anytime you hear a story of someone who has overcome addiction and or adversity and who has discovered their purpose as a result of their experience, listen for the things that you have in common, right? In that story because I think all too often we try and purposely seek out the differences, right? And I used to do this in early recovery where I'm like I'm not like them, right? I'm I'm nothing like them. I don't have the same story, but chances are when you really think about the emotions that they felt, the numbing, we all have that in common, right? And it becomes really apparent that we have so much more in common than we even think. So I really hope that you enjoy today's episode. Before we get started today, I wanted to make an announcement. I am super excited. I can't tell you how excited I am, just I'm super excited. I am finally launching my first summit. This is something that has been on my heart for probably the last two years. Now, I thought it was a year, but I actually, looking back, it was 2020 that I originally thought of creating the Rise Beyond Recovery Summit. And I'm finally making it happen. And I'm super pumped about it. So here's how you can get involved. Head on over to the website, which is www.rise.com beyondrecovery.ca and you can get your free ticket. It's going to guide you to a Facebook community where you will be able to catch all the live interviews I have. Over 25 speakers who are in recovery, who are doing incredible things with their lives as a result of the experience they've been through and they're going to share their story, what it was like, how they ended up finding recovery and how they ended up creating the life that they have today. Now, here's the best part, is that all of these entrepreneurs in recovery have something to give you. You're going to get a bonus gift if you decide that you want to join us in the VIP lounge. And what that is, is lifetime access to all the speakers so you can go through them at your leisure whenever you need a little hit of inspiration. You can go in there, watch those videos, hear their stories again, but not only that you get a free gift from all of the speakers. The VIP ticket is only $25. So that's what four or five Starbucks coffees. Um, for those of you up in Canada, that's probably about 10 Tim Hortons coffees. Um, but for $25, you can join that VIP lounge, you can have access to the recordings. And you can also get those gifts, those bonus gifts. There's going to be free coaching sessions. There will be eBooks. There's going to be meditations. There's going to be all the tools that you need to enhance your recovery. And not only that, my friend Lane Kennedy and I, which you've heard in a previous episode, we are going to give away our Change Your Brain Masterclass. It's a six-part masterclass on literally how to rewire your brain and enhance your recovery so you'll get that included as well and so much more so just wanted to also let you know and you've heard the guys on here from touch by addiction that 15 dollars from every ticket sold is going to be donated to getting someone off the streets and into long-term recovery and we're talking a year-long recovery program because there's so many people that need help right now and This was in my heart to do because now that I've teamed up with Touched by Addiction, um, if you haven't checked out that episode, make sure you do it. I talk from the boys at Touched by Addiction or the guys. And, um, it's just something I'm really passionate about what they do. And so I figured this is a perfect way to give back. They are sponsoring the event. So 25 bucks to get the VIP pass. $15 of that goes to Touched by Addiction to help get somebody into long-term recovery. So not only are you going to get a ton of value yourself, but you are also potentially helping the life of someone get into recovery that really needs it. So head on over to the website and grab your free ticket. Or if you want to help someone in need, you can pay $25 to grab a VIP lounge ticket and that is at www.risebeyondrecovery.ca. And I'll see you at the summit. So let's get into today's episode. I am chatting with my good friend, Nina Perez, from Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Make sure you go check out our show. It's fantastic. Nina gets really open and honest and vulnerable about her rough childhood, you know, growing up around abuse, teen pregnancy, divorce and poverty. We also talk about how she found faith, and also about finding herself. And one of the interesting topics we talk about, which I could totally relate to when I was in my addiction, was how easy it can be to stay in the victim mode, right? I don't know if you can relate, but man, I just, I think back to that time, you know, just before I ended up quitting for good. It was just, wow, you know, I was always in victim mode. It was always woe is me. And so we talk about that. And I think it's a great topic. We talk about so much more, of course, but you're just gonna have to listen now and, uh, and find out for yourself. Welcome back. I am hanging out with my good friend Nina Perez today. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. I couldn't wait for this day to come. Oh, I'm I'm pumped. This is a nice way to end off the afternoon as well. So Mm -hmm. for Those are my listeners that don't know you. Why don't you introduce yourself and just let us know what you do today?
1: What I do today. Wow. Okay. Which hat? Let's see. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, as a woman, I think sometimes we just have a 50 hats going on. So oh. I'm Nina Perez. I have a, a platform right now called straight talk, no sugar added. I'm actually building out my, my, um, other website, which will be just Nina And that's going to be where I do a lot of my coaching and a lot of my, um, a course and things like that. So that's what I do right now. I do a lot of things. So I also have a n- little company uh, uh, called the kitty kitchen, which is uh, where we teach kids how to cook. And so um, because I'm a chef by trade, I've been teaching kids how to cook and adults for years. And so I finally, uh, yeah, I finally uh, decided to go ahead and bring that out on social media and, and teach a bunch of kids how to cook. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Oh, I love that. And you know, it's such a good trait to have cooking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't say how many, you know, when I've, been in a relationship, early relationship, and a man knows how to cook. I love that. And I wish I knew how to cook
1: better. Oh, to be I was gonna honest. say, is it because you don't cook? Okay, got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so way to hit them when they're young. I think that's such an important trait and that's so awesome what you're doing. So Thank you. You know, I believe that a lot of us have ended up where we are as a because of the the adversity that we've overcome. And I know sure. you've overcome a lot of adversity, especially when you, you were younger. So you know, why don't you talk about what was life like growing up for you?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a you know a big topic. I, I do have a autobiography out. It's called "Hit Me with Your Best Shot: How I Overcame a Hard-Hitting Life." It was a little bit hard to write, you know, um, writing stories that you know really have affected me in my life, but also made me the woman I am today. So I'm also very grateful for them. But you know, when I was a child, uh, between the ages about I want to say between the ages of six to about the age of about nine or eight, I was molested by my stepfather a few times. Um, You know, unfortunately I told my mom, but she didn't believe me. And so it was a very hard place to live, especially because he was also very physically abusive. So he was always, you know, spanking really hard, always hitting with belts and stuff like that. It was a very difficult time and you feel like unwanted, you know, um, and then my mom would just take me to my grandparents and my grandparents would would stay with me for like a year and then back to my mom because she I'm her daughter and you know, she has to come home and then back to grandparents. You know, it was like this, this really weird place to be. I knew my grandparents loved me, but they're not your parents. Right. Uh, my father didn't really claim me at birth, so I never had his last name. Um, and, you know, it was just really tumultuous. And then I didn't have any guidance. So by the age of like. 13, I made a cute 17 year old boy. You know, I was um, having sex before I knew what sex even was. And by the age of 14, I was pregnant. Um, And then um, by the age of 15, I had a son. But in between that um, span, he was extremely abusive. So it was a horrific domestic violent relationship um, that nearly ended in my murder. I mean, he put a gun to my head. He pulled the trigger, but the safety got jammed on the gun. And that is literally why I am sitting here today um, without a hole in my head. You know what I'm saying? So that was really hard. And it was, it was very hard because I didn't have support. You know, um, I had a mother who was also abused. So she kind of sided with him more than she sided with me, which I found very strange. But um by the time I was like 17 years old I ran away with my son and I lived in a battered women's shelter. I lived there for about a year and a half or so and then uh, but I worked I, I never this is one thing about me I I don't really quit very easy you know so even though I went through all of those things, in my head all I kept thinking is I cannot show my son to be a failure I will not do it So while I was getting beaten every day and, you know, being urinated on and being thrown downstairs and all those horrible things that I've been through. All I kept thinking is, but my son will not be a failure. So I made sure I finished high school. At least I had to finish high school. So I did. And I took care of my son. I never went to college until I became an adult. Because I didn't have time to go to college, I had a kid, you know. And then by the time I um, became twenty-one, I met my my ex-husband, and I had a second child. Um, so that's me a little bit in a quick nutshell for you. But yeah, that's a little bit of my past. I've been through a little bit. <laughs> been through a little I would bit. say
0: I would say a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now, Yeah. You you have a, a pretty strong faith, and mm. I have to ask because for me. Um, you know, I found faith again about nine years ago, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I had always kind of thought, well, where has God ever been in in the 22 years of my addiction? Mm -hmm, But really, mm -hmm. when I look back on it, I mean, I'm alive today. So obviously there is something out there, um, looking out, but I mean, I never really grew up with faith, right? I, I had known, I had gone to church with friends. I loved youth group. We had so much fun, but then of course, as I went through all this stuff, I think, my faith had kind of deteriorated, right? So did you, had you grown up uh, having faith? And then how did that look like for you in your journey? Fantastic question. I
1: was born and raised uh, Catholic and I never believed in it, Uh, but I did it because that was my family thing, right? You have to do what your family does. And um, when I actually got older, I decided that, that where's God? Like it really, you know, because here I am getting beaten every day, you know, here I am getting kicked all the time and, and being thrown downstairs, and nobody's watching over me and protecting me. And it, it was a, it was a horrible existence. I wanted to die many times. I tried to commit suicide when I was 13 years old and um, it, it didn't work obviously. Um, and you know what? I found God later in life. Um, I, I knew I kind of knew there was something if, if there was God uh, I, I just didn't know what it was. So when I went into my mid 20s or so, I got into what they call Santeria, which is like um, witchcraft almost um, in it, uh, Spanish style, if you will, um, you know, praying to saints and things like that. And, you know, it, it was definitely an intervention by God that pulled me out of that. Um, I don't know what I'll be honest with you. I don't know why I didn't get into addiction with drugs. It was always around me. I, it was just something in me that wouldn't allow me to. And I think it was because I had my son so young and I knew I had to protect him because <laughs> I was going to join the military at 18 and they, you know, I was in the middle of swearing in and then the, the officer looked at me and said, oh, wait a minute. There's something here that says you have a son. And I said, yes. And he said, oh, you have to give your son up you know, to your mother or the baby's father for adoption because if something happens to you, I said, well, I guess I'm not joining the military. You know, I'm not giving my son to a mother who never took care of me. And I'm not giving my son to his father who almost killed me. But to answer your question, when I did find God, which was in 2002, which is really when I started to develop a relationship with God, I realized he was there all along. He was there all along. Why do you think I didn't get shot that day? You know what I'm saying? Or, or even though my, my uh, stepfather was molesting me, you know, my grandparents would come and save me. You know what I'm saying? And there was always like some sort of protection or guidance. And he was there all along. And it wasn't until I realized that God weeps when we weep, you know, and God loves us and does watch over us and bad things happen. But it is for this moment. It is for what me and you do right now, right? That we actually want to go and reach in and pull people up now because we've been down. Had we not been down we would not know that or even be able to do it. So I now see it like I actually
0: thank him now for it. Right? Yeah. Do you feel the same? Totally. It's, yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, had I not gone through what I did, I wouldn't be who I am right. and I wouldn't be doing what I do today. And I think now I look at that as a gift, right? Because yeah. I was able to go through all that turbulence and actually ended, ended up finding myself as a result. Right right? So for you, what did that look like to find yourself? Because you've gone through a lot, you did end up um, getting a divorce, I believe. And, you know, when was when did things start to shift? When did you, you know, when did things start to change for you? Yeah, you know, it was like, uh, around that time. So what happened was,
1: I I am remarried now with a phenomenal man. Um, But what happened was, is at that time, you know, my husband kind of, Got up one day, (laughs) I'll never forget this. He got up one day, he looks in the mirror and he says, um, I gotta go find myself. I said, there's a mirror right there. You're found. What the hell are you talking about? Right? Long story short, he left me and the kids, right? So he just kind of just left me and the kids for a young, young girl. And he just left us. Okay, fine. When I was praying to one of the saints, because that's what we did in this religion, I I looked over and I saw a picture of Jesus that was on a a candle and all of a sudden I felt this conviction and I'm like, holy crap, wait a second. Am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? And I just started praying and I, and I literally fell to the floor. I never forget it. I started weeping and weeping and weeping and asking God to please show me, you know, if I'm doing something wrong, and I will change if I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that night I fell asleep on the floor crying. Woke up the next day. I went to work. The next day my my apartment burns down. And I'm like, I you know, my kids call me, mom, mom, the apartment's burning. But I was like, what? Get out of the house. You know, whatever. They get out of the house, whatever. So we come home. I see this gaping hole where my kid's bedroom used to be. It was uh, somebody was roofing that the landlord had gotten somebody to roof um, to put the top. Tar- tar on the roof or whatever and they burned a hole in the in the in the outside and that that fire went in and over the walls and just burned everything. Okay, fine. I remember looking at that and saying, God, if this is you telling me, <laughs> telling me I'm doing something wrong, this is not funny. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not a way to have to get my attention. Um and you know what's funny is right after that, just to cut down the story, I go to um, Connecticut, which is where I'm from. And my I, I say to my aunt, I said, you know, I really think that God is calling me. I think that He's calling me and I need to find a church. Do you have one? She said, Well, it's a Christian church. It's not Catholic. I said, Great. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm Catholic anyway. So we go to this Christian church. I'm I kid you not, the pastor is preaching, stops his preaching and says, Hold on. I feel like God is saying that if you have been praying to saints, You need to come down here and give your life to God. I was like, what? I took to my (laughs) husband. I said, "Have you told somebody that I was praying to saints?" And he's like, "I'm here the first time with you. What are you talking about?" I, and that was it. Like after, like right before that, right after the, um, right after the fire, and before I actually followed God, I'll never forget this. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm holding the paper in my hand of my insurance company because I had just called them about the renter's insurance. They told me that I was completely canceled months ago because they never received some sort of documents I needed or whatever. And I was canceled. And I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, I have no money in the bank. I have no food. I have nowhere to take my kids. What do you mean? I have nothing. They're like, I'm sorry, ma'am. She's looking at everything. She's like, you literally were canceled back in like June. This was happening in December. I was crying and weeping. I didn't know what to do. My boyfriend at the time was not my husband was sitting there. We're on disbelief. What are we going to do? My husband literally had just lost his business, right? So we had nothing. When I say nothing, I mean it. So we're sitting there crying and weeping. And I'll never forget. I grabbed the papers in my hand. I said, okay, Jesus, if you're real and you help me out of this one and you show me that you're real, I promise you, I will follow you the all the days of my life and I will not let go. I said that. I kid you not. I hear a knock at the door. It was probably... That was in the evening. So in the morning, I hear a knock at the door, the, the door that was still kind of there because there was a big hole in the other side of it. And I opened the door and there's a guy standing there. My husband remembers his name. I never remember. And the guy goes, hi, I'm from Allstate. I said, yes. He goes, you know, I don't know what happened, but I last night, I just could not stop thinking about your case. So I opened up your your paperwork and I realized it was our error. You're completely covered. I just, oh my God, even just telling you the story right now. I looked at my husband and I said,
0: Jesus is real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, he's real. He's real. He's real. Like we were freaking out, right? We were freaking out. And, and that's really the, the beginning of my journey with him. Like that's the beginning of my journey with God.
0: That's incredible. And it gives me goosebumps because my story, although it wasn't the same, the, the like profound, like, whoa, mm-hmm. this can't be happening was the same thing. And I think that a lot of people in recovery can relate to this as well. Because of course, you know, when you go into recovery, one of the first things they tell you is you, you know, you need to rely on something greater than yourself. Mm-hmm, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have to take this journey alone. And I remember I was like, no, no, right. I'm going to do everything except for that. And that wasn't right. working out very well for me, right? <laughs> because I'm Dutch and I'm stubborn. Right, right, and I'm, right, right, I'm right, not right. afraid to admit that. And I remember though, just white knuckling it, you know, it was a few months after I got sober and I talked to my friend and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, and she goes, "Tomorrow, you need to let go and let God. And I was like, oh, but that's so hard for me. Right. Because right. God has never right. been there. And she's like, actually, yeah you know, you need to be willing to let go, let God, you don't have to run this, your life anymore. Like, and I thought I was the general manager of the universe and that's a right. very hard job, but I remember doing whatever it took. Cause I didn't want to relapse and yeah. I went to church. I'd actually prayed two days before she told me, go home, get down on your, your knees and just have a conversation. Ask that, you know, you can let go, let God and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I did it. And I'm just having a conversation out loud, feeling so silly but I went to that service and the pastor was walking along and it was a youth pastor. He was really cute. So I was like instantly drawn. Right. And, <laughs> but when he came over to my side of the stage and he started talking, he's like, if you're here today and you need to let go and let God, you're in the right place. And everything that I had prayed about, right. And I was very skeptical. And I had said, I need this to be in like bright flashing lights. It can't right, be right. subtle. I don't do subtle God. And everything I had prayed about happened. And I remember just like this emotion like came over me and I just was overwhelmed. And I remember getting in the car and sobbing and saying, okay, because the friend of mine who had had told me, you know, go home and pray, she was there with me. And so she experienced this with me. And I was just like, unbelievable. And I think there was just this we're not on this planet alone, right? We don't have to do this alone. We have each other, we have our experience. And that's why I love what you're doing now. You know, you're not afraid, just like myself, we're not afraid to hide who we are and what we've been through. Was there ever a time, you know, way back when were you were ashamed of that stuff and you didn't want to talk about it?
1: Heck yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) You know, because shame, you know, shame will make you hide, you know, shame will make you hide. And of course, along with shame comes depression and anxiety and, and, you know, they're all best friends, right? So, you know, shame was a, a really big thing for me. And so was unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. unforgiveness was eating me up inside because I was sticking it to him, you know, he's going to pay. But really, I was sticking it to me. I was sticking it to me because I'm the one in the prison. I'm the one that's going through the pain all the time. I'm the one that has insomnia. I'm the one that, you know, can't get my weight under control because I don't feel like I deserve it. And I self-sabotage. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd be surprised what kind of behaviors you start to to um, have in your life, right? To deal and cope with shame and unforgiveness. Those two things for me are huge, right? And so absolutely, it wasn't until I found God, really, and found that he loves me in spite of all of my errors, in spite of. And then when I realized that's for real, for real, not just saying it. You know, but I actually read it in the word. I actually prayed on it. I actually the same thing with you is like it makes God tangible. When God does something like that, like when he said if you gotta let God and let like, I mean, God, why would he use those exact words? Mm-hmm. Because God needed you get your attention, right? Mm-hmm. Why did he need you to get your attention? Because you yourself said, I will not be listening until you get my attention. So God said, All right, then I'll get your attention, right? <laughs> You want to be hard-headed? I created you. I know exactly what you are, you know? <gasps> but the thing is, is like, it's not until you get to that, to that place where you do let go and let God, and then you realize your worth, your worth, everything changes. Then I was I was free to talk about everything, all of my mistakes, all of my errors, the things that happened to me. I also realized another big, powerful thing in my life, that I was carrying someone else's shame. See, there's to me, there's two types of shame. There's the shame of you, of what you've done. And you should be ashamed of some things that we do, right? If I go on and steal something from someone, I should be ashamed of that because that shame should bring me to correction, right? So there is that shame that I feel like is more of a healthier shame to help you correct. And then there's that shame when somebody did something to you and you take it on as if it's your own shame. Nope. I learned that is not my shame. He can keep it. My Mm -hmm. molester can keep it. And so I've separated the two and that has helped me heal, right? To realize that I don't have to carry somebody else's shame. I have enough to carry for myself, you know? And God has even said, why don't you put your shame on my cross and I'll give you my burden, which is lighter, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you start to realize that, it just changes your whole life.
0: Absolutely. I and I love this topic, because Mm -hmm. it's it's sometimes it's something people don't want to talk about, right? Because they're like, Oh, no, I'm sorry, but God's never been there for me. Now, you know, part of my own personal recovery, and not just from drugs and alcohol, but from life, was I had to learn how to clean up my mess, right? Because there was definitely things like you said, right, that we're responsible for, and we do and we need to own that. And I think that what stopped me from doing that for so long is I sat in the victim mode, right? I sat in the poor me, me feel sorry for me, please. Yeah. Like, look yeah. at all this stuff that I'm going through right now. <laughs> and it wasn't until I finally said, okay, pull up your pants. Like you got to the life you created this life, right? Yeah, like, right. We can't always control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it and right. cleaning up my mess and recognizing my role in things that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I even looked at this, I was in an abusive relationship as well. But I also chose to stay in it for four years, right? So the abuse, the the physical abuse, you know, that that wasn't something that I needed to be ashamed of, right? That right. was something that I can recognize that, hey, you know what, he was an addict as well. But I did own the part that I decided to stay in that yeah, relationship, yeah, yeah. Right. you know? So you like to talk about cleaning up your mess as well. So can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, I always tell people, own your shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm. I just, I just, how I say it, you know, like just own your shit. All right. Like sit in it for a second. Don't sit in shit too long though. You start to smell like it. You know what I'm saying? But, but sit in it for a second because it is a reality that you effed up. You know what I'm saying? And that is okay. It is absolutely okay. And if somebody ever comes up to you and says that they've never made a mistake or an error, run as fast as you can. Okay. Cause they are full of crap. You know what I'm saying? So, but I always, that's the first step for me. Own it, own it, sit in it, release it. There is no need to keep carrying it around. And, you know, it's it's hard, though. Um, you know, as you know, and, and I know, when you are the victim, it is extremely hard to get out of that mentality. Because when you get out of that mentality, now you actually have to walk in it. You know what I'm saying? Now you actually have to walk in somebody who doesn't have to be a victim. And being a victim sometimes is a very comfortable place. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you're a victim, you don't have to own your shit. You don't have to correct anything. You don't have to fix it right but when and i remember the time when i was in prayer about this and i remember getting the clarity of that i'm not a victim i actually was afraid of that because my identity was wrapped up in the victim my identity was wrapped up in the depression and in the anxiety and so now now that god has freed me from it what what next that's exactly what i thought that day i remember it clearly I was sitting there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, now what? what, what do I do? I don't even feel. Oh shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like now people are going to expect things of me. This is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. I'm just being honest, you know, Um, you know, not being the victim anymore means I have to look people in the eyeball. You know what I'm saying? That I, that I either messed up on, Or, you know, that I have to own my stuff and really realize that I had some issues that I needed to take care of. And that was not an easy thing to do. It's just not easy. But it is damn well worth it. It is so worth it. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you talk about the beauty in the mess. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little? Because I know, I mean, my, my life was a shit show to put it right. nicely. Right. And, but there is some beauty in that, yeah. right? When I look back at that, I'm like, wow, you know, there were some really amazing things that happened during that time that were maybe terrible, but there yeah. was some beauty in that.
1: There is a lot of beauty. And I think that we also should reframe our brain, right? Uh, we also should look at the, 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 the positive intention of each thing because I think when you do that you really do try to start to transform how you're looking at something so when I look let's let's use my abuser as one of them right so when I look at that situation now n- knowing NLP and knowing all of that and and looking at a positive intention I'm like what the heck is the positive intention in that he used to beat the crap out of me but there's two things I got out of it one I believe that his positive intention was that he did love me he just didn't know how to deal with that love right? So he did have a positive intention of I'm going to keep her with me forever because that's what he wanted, even though he was going about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Right. The second positive intention I got was that I'm worth it because I was trying to survive. And if I didn't think I was worth it, I wouldn't have tried to survive. Right. I also knew that what he was doing to me was extremely wrong. So the positive I can take out of that is because I knew that I was worth more than what he was doing to me right? And so there is a lot of beauty in that. There's beauty in me recognizing I don't need to be beaten every time. I I need to figure this out. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to be treated like I'm garbage. I'm actually not garbage. I need to figure this out. You know what I mean? This guy, I love him very much. I think he loves me too, but look how he's doing it. Okay. That's the kind of love I don't need. Right? So the beauty of all of that is I never got back into another relationship like that again, because I actually owned my shit. Right. I stood back and I said, OK, what is the flags? Do I want them anymore? And what is it exactly do I feel about myself? How do I how do I have give me myself some self-worth that my next husband won't do the same? You know, and, and exactly that. I mean, my my the, the first husband that I did have had many affairs. I didn't know about them. I found out about them way after. Mm-hmm. But he never would raise a hand ever. I just wouldn't allow it. You know, so I, and as you grow, you, you continue to grow and and learn more and more about yourself. And now the husband I have now is phenomenal. We have a phenomenal relationship, right? And he would never, ever raise a hand at me. Right. And he's not going around sleeping with all kinds of women. So you see, you grow and you progress. So hopefully you don't need four or five husbands to do it, (laughs) but you grow and you progress, you know? I mean, I only can do with what I had, to be honest with you, because I didn't have a role model.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I didn't didn't have somebody actually sitting down and saying, okay, you know, this is a healthy relationship. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is what a healthy man looks like. I just didn't have that, you know, so I kind of like learned on my own, you know.
0: And that's an interesting point you bring up because, you know, I hear my story of addiction. It didn't start off because my parents were alcoholics. That's not what I was raised. It's not what I learned. It runs in my family, but not my immediate family. And so a lot of people are like, well, how, how on earth did you become an alcoholic? Because you didn't grow up like this. And I think, though, the opposite can be said, too, is a lot Mm -hmm. of people can go through trauma, and a whole, like just a a ton of horrific stuff. And they actually say, okay, you know, I'm not gonna be like this, this is actually taught me, you know, and a lot of people think you have to follow suit, but you don't, you know, I know plenty of parents who were alcoholics and their kids have never seen them drink. And guess what? Because they've heard the stories they never want to. Right. right. So they, they do something differently. So I believe you can learn how to live a different mm-hmm. way of life.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with that hundred percent because we have to be the captain of our own ship, right? Yeah. You have to own your own stuff. I mean, you can't just say, Oh, but my mom and my dad and my cousin and my nephew. And my- so what about you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all good. Okay, let's pass that story now. What about you, right? I mean, yeah. I could sit here all day and, and be a victim. I really can. If you've ever read my book, I can be a victim. I can I can certainly do it. And most people would probably excuse it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To keep me in that because they don't know any better, right? But But truth be told, you are owner of your own nonsense. You know, <laughs> the stuff that you do well and your nonsense. You're the owner of it all. Right. And so I'm learning a lot now, too, with the the neuro linguistic programming and how you like change the way you think about something just because something is an old habit or pattern doesn't mean you have to keep repeating the same old habit or pattern. We can actually change all of that. And it's been a phenomenal journey, to be honest with you, to work with people. I know you're going through that, too. Like when you're working with your people, like I I work with high performing women, like these women, are like, like go getters, but they have like these blockages, but they don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit it because if they do, if they think it makes them weak. When in fact, it makes you even stronger because you're owning your stuff. Mm-hmm. And then now we can work on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a high performing woman as well. I mean, that's just how I live my life. I'm not a boo hooer though. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I guess that's why my show is called straight talk. No sugar added. <laughs> I just, even when I, even like when I was the victim back in the day, I would cry and then be like, okay, let's go. We're done. for the day. Let's move it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Time to move on and change the world. And you know, it's funny, the lessons it made me think of, you know, I often hear that God will keep giving us the same lessons until we learn how to do things differently. And I'm like, huh, that's what happened there.
1: I know. Do you ever exactly like sometimes when I'm going through something, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to keep doing this. So tell me my lesson. What is it? What's the lesson? Because Nina
0: Nina wants to move on I mean I don't know about this I know I've done it so many times I'm like okay doing the same things over and over expecting a different result I'm like why don't I stop doing that yeah yeah. And, and then we can move on so let's talk about the podcast what inspired you to start the podcast
1: so in 2018 is when I started it. And I actually started it because I used to run a women's group, a women's uh, Bible study. And it was super successful. And the women really, really loved it. And they were very much involved. And my group grew so big, I could you know, my apartment really didn't fit them. It was really beautiful. And then that kind of died out because we, me and my husband actually went homeless. So we lost everything. We lost our house, our cars, we lost everything. I had to move my kids into friends' homes. It was was awful. And me and him slept in the car. We slept in the living rooms. We did whatever we had to do. So the, of course the Bible study died. And then in 2018, I said, you know what? I really need to get back into inspiring people. However I can. So I said, what about a podcast? Don't really know how to run one, but I'm going to just turn on a recorder and record. And that's what I did. And so I started recording and just, so if you look at my very old podcast, it's very, very different. It was, it was more like a study, you know? Um, and it was a, a monologue. Um, and then after a while, you kind of run out of content when you're talking to yourself all the time. <laughs> yep. I, had, I had maybe five downloads, right? So, <laughs> but uh, I was talking to myself a lot. And then I said, Um, I, I, I like put it to bed. So like in like two, um, 2020, I put it to bed, trying to revamp what this all means. And then, um, you know, I said to myself this year, you know what, I think I want to really reach out to high thinkers, to people who are thinking beyond where they are thinking beyond me. And I want to put myself in the room with the smartest people in the room, because it's time for me to really stretch my brain and grow. Um, I grow in everything that I do. I grow. Like if I, if I start at a position, I'm a manager within no time. It's just how I operate. And I think it's just, honestly, it's all our beating up in the past, right? It makes you so strong. It makes you so willing to put the work in and it makes you, um, tenacious and it makes you want to go after things. And that's just how I'm built. And so, um, I started doing that. So then I just started reaching literally cold calling, like anybody I saw online who I thought had a fantastic message and something that they were doing that was really powerful to change somebody's life. I really don't care about numbers to be honest with you. So I don't care if they had like 50 million followers or two. I didn't care about that. What I cared about is connection mm-hmm. and whether or not that person was doing something to impact the next person's life. And that's when the podcast like rebirthed, if you will, you know, because then I started talking to amazing individuals and like, there you go. Now they're killing. Call- now they're calling me, you know, which is fantastic. All right. So from 20 downloads to over from 6,000 downloads or something like that. So, you know, it's just growing.
0: And this is such an amazing platform. I mean, we met yeah. through a mutual friend of ours, yeah. but I think that I know that every time I chat with a guest, I always learn so much. It's I, I literally have a notebook in front of me and I'm always taking notes, right? I'm like, yeah. that's a great idea. That's a great idea. So, yeah. You know, it's just, it's an opportunity. I look at podcasting as a little mini education. Every time you flip one on, it's like you can learn anything. So when you talk to high performing women, what are some of the strategies you help them with? Because I know mindset and it's something that I'm very passionate about as well. Mm -hmm, And I'm, I'm a work in progress all the time because I do fall back on imposter syndrome once in a while. Mm -hmm, And I think we're very fortunate to be in the Mm -hmm. programs that we are and teach what we do. Um, but what do you, what are some of the key strategies that you work with high performance, high performing individuals?
1: Yeah, well, when we work together, we're always I'm always talking to them about mastering their game mm-hmm. game, um, meaning G is their goals. Uh, A is the accountability. Uh, M is their mind flow. I don't call it mindset. Um, and E is their energy. And so we actually work on on those um, those particular things, and and actually it go, it goes beyond that, right? Because then we start get to get into oh, but I'm stuck here. Okay, well let's let's do a timeline or let's do whatever. So we 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 throw in some NLP work on it as well, because what I really want is for them to have success in a result. Otherwise, what are we doing, right? Mm-hmm. And there are people that I've had to turn away because if they um, are not really willing to be accountable or really willing to dig would I can't help you, you know? Um, and it's not because, oh, uh, Nina's all that. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that if we're going to have a relationship, I need to know that you want to be 50-50 in this relationship, right? Because you're the master of you and I'm the master of this. And we're going to put our master's brains together and we're going to master those goals, you know, or, or master your game, I should say right mm-hmm. and so that's what we work on we work on what their goals really are not just the surface stuff what they really are right because we always come in with the little surface things you know little little top and i'm like okay and what else and then when we keep <laughs> digging we realize oh that's what you want to work on confidence mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not time blocking it's confidence you want to work on right <laughs> it's it's kind of um fun because they end up finding out a lot about themselves as well and it's such a beautiful It's just—it's so much fun. I love doing this kind of work. I mean, I look at me. I know you can
0: feel it. I can feel it through the screen right now. It's like we're sitting in the same room. I feel the vibe, you know. And it's beliefs is a big thing that I encounter with a lot of people. And one of my mentors very early on in my journey said, "You know what, Tamar? Two people can have the exact same goal." right? The exact same goal. They can do the exact same things, take the same action steps, but it's the person that believes in their mission, that believes in their ability to achieve that goal, that will always be successful, no matter how hard it gets. And I think that's where faith came in for me and becoming a full-time entrepreneur is I finally had to go, okay, God, like. This is what I'm, I feel like this is what I meant to do because you've got me bursting out of the seams now. Like can't manage this. I can't stay awake 24 hours a day, I could, but then I become less spiritually fit and I knew that's what I needed to do. Right. And so I, it's scary sometimes because it's like, "Ah, do I got this? It's like, get your belief. It's like a belief slap. Like, come on sister, turn around and look at what you've done. Do you find with a lot of people who who lack that success, the same thing that it's their inability to believe in themselves? Yeah, oh,
1: absolutely. I, I you know, it definitely starts with the mind. For Mm -hmm. me, it's a mind flow. I I call it mindful because I feel like everything has to be connected, right? Your mind, the spirit, the soul, it all has to kind of flow and go together. Your mind cannot just be set in your ways and set in a thing. Um, That's why I don't call it mindset, but I call it mindful because I feel like your, your mind should, you should be open-minded enough to know that your mind should be pushed to keep growing, You should be able to be challenged in what you're thinking, you know? And that's why I love dialogue. I love dialogue, right? Because to me, I'm like, oh, this is fun. We disagree. Yes. You know, (laughs) I love that because it it drives me. And I think it's because I really love to hear the other person's map, the other person's perspective, you know, it is just fascinating to me how the brain works. And so when they start to say certain things like, "Hmm, oh, okay, get that. What about this? And they're like, "Oh, I never thought about it," and it's just phenomenal. I love doing that. So when I have these high performers, you know, they they come already like they, you know, they they already got it. They know. It. And then by the time you know it, they're like, "Oh, look, I needed this more than anything," <laughs> you know, I love that. And then they're like, "Oh my gosh, you I got everything out of this one session more than I thought I would get in, in another program that I did for like six months." Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. That's exactly what I want, right? Mm-hmm. I need to see you succeed. But to your point, I do get smacked with that, you know, imposter syndrome stuff because I've already been through stuff and I've already helped so many people. At the same time, I go, but am I good enough? But can't I'm like, Nina, Nina, stop it. <laughs> Put yourself to your own program. What is wrong with you? You know, and that's I mean, but I honestly I've spoken to other, you know, thought leaders and other like coaches and other mentors and they go through the same thing mm-hmm. because they're freaking human. That's why, you know, we all go through it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that's the great thing about being able to have podcasts and being vulnerable about our journey is that other people like we're all human, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had... I went through a very traumatic incident about six weeks ago. And one of my clients saw me on a mastermind call, and I was very quiet. And that's not like me, because I am like enthusiastic all the time, upbeat, like they, you know, they've now relied on me to be the, you know, the person who kind of brings smiles to people's faces, because that's what I love to do. But I couldn't do it. And, you know, we had a session shortly after and she said, Hey, what's going on? And I've, I chose to be vulnerable and I shared that. And she said, oh, and she started it. She just went in tears and she said, you know what? Aww. Thank you for saying that because, you know, you're human. I said, absolutely I am. And yeah. I'm not afraid to say I'm not okay sometimes because yeah. life happens, right? It's how yeah. we choose to respond to that. And sometimes that means having a good cry. You know, we talked about it before yeah. the show is sometimes we just need to have a good cry with someone. <laughs>
1: That's right. No, really. And, and I you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I did a live on something that was really, really disturbing my heart. And I was in a really, really vulnerable and bad place. And what did I do? I clicked on my camera and I went yeah. live, you know? And I said, I, and you know, well, I regret this later. Maybe, you know, <laughs> I said, but guys, I need your prayers. I really yeah. just said that, you know, I really need your prayers. My clients, of course, immediately called me. Are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm just really struggling with this decision. I have to make it's a huge decision. It's something yeah. that's really on my heart, you know? Um, but I gotta tell you, Because of that, the influx of people that now want to work and also just wanted to send me love, Mm -hmm. just DMs and messages. And what are you doing? And do you have room in your schedule and blah, 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 all because I was really authentic about what I felt. And I was, and I was being real. I mean, I was crying. I was upset. I was real, but I needed to show people because we are so, um, in people's faces, right? I mean, we have podcasts. We have videos, people see us and there's a lot of people who really do follow us. Yeah, And so you have to be able to be a authentically real individual that can contact people and connect with people in a deeper level. I had this guy stop my husband a few months ago and he's like, hi, um, can you give message to Nina? And he knew that I was married to him because my husband had given him my uh, card for my podcast. He said, just tell your wife, that she has completely transformed my entire life and not just my life, but the life of my family. And because of listening to her podcast, I have made financial decisions in my life. I have made all of these decisions that have changed our lives. What? If he was the one person that I had to reach, I did it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I did it. So if that's all I had to do and I could turn off my my TV, then then I just change a person's life who changes what he says, changed the whole trajectory of his family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you never know who you're reaching. You really don't. You know, and I've had people like recently was like, oh, it was, I, I got into the Nina Vortex and I don't even know her. Right. And I'm like, oh, you got into the Nina Vortex. What do you mean? What did I do? I said, what did I do? You know, like, <laughs> like, like, can I do something? And she's like, she's like, no, I, I found your podcast. And I listened to every episode back to back and I just got into a vortex and I couldn't stop. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love what we do. I don't ever think I'm going to stop, you know? Um, And I love that you were vulnerable and I love that you actually shared that with someone who asked you Mm -hmm. because it makes you just, it makes you tangible, makes you real. Like God is to us, right? Yeah. Like when God did that to us and he, and he became tangible and real. It changes the whole re- the
0: whole relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I learned, I think, very on in recovery that <clears throat> when I reach out, because I used to think I don't want to burden people, right? And I always encourage mm-hmm. anybody who's listening today or struggling, reach out to somebody and tell them you're not okay because- I actually learned that that was actually not a self it was a selfish thing to do to not talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because what if the person that I reached out to was having a terrible day? And what if it was so silly, right? They were just maybe they got in an argument with their spouse or something happened. And you made that call and you were in tears. And you said, I need your help right now. This is what I'm going through. Guess what that person that you've confided in now is out of their head thinking about how they can serve you. Right. And I always encourage people who are struggling, who are listening to the show is reach out and tell someone you're not okay, because you're not alone. So many of us have gone through this stuff. And you know, it's there's a power with sitting across looking someone eye to eye, and being able to say, Hey, you know what, I've been through that as well. I know exactly Mm -hmm. how you feel. Keep talking.
1: Yeah. and And yes, that's true. And also, the fact that People actually want to help, not even just because yeah. they're going through something, yeah. but they actually want to. I do. Mm-hmm. I want to help. I have, I have people that call me that are random. I have I literally have people that have been on my podcast that we've connected, like me and you have connected, yeah. and will reach out to me and be like, hey, Nina, uh, can we talk about ABC? I'm going through something. Heck Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they took their time and was on my podcast and blessed me with their story. Why in the world would I not give them 10 minutes of my time, you know? And I've done that with several of them. Mm -hmm. And I, I constantly check in, like, you know, you'll get an email from me randomly too. Hey, just thinking about you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I do that because as soon as somebody pops into my mind, I try to take those five seconds really quick just to pop that in. But, um, and I've developed really great friendships, really great friendships, where these people, I'm just bouncing ideas off of them. They're bouncing them off of me. And, you know, you're right. People can get, you know, if they're going through something, like if I'm going through something and you call me, it is awesome to get out of my own way yeah. in my head. Yeah. But it's also awesome sometimes to still be in a good
0: place, but be able to help someone else. Yeah. You know. 100%. I yeah. Yeah. I 100%. That. So if I could keep talking about this topic for hours, obviously, so we may have to do a part two on this, okay, but if people, if people want to learn more about you, get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Well,
1: uh, right now the best platform is Straight Talk No Sugar Added, and that's a .com, that's an Instagram, that's in Facebook, so it's all the same, and it's all like one word. Uh, straight talk, no sugar added. Um, and so really, that's the best way. You can email me too at hello at straight talk, no sugar I'm, I'm more than glad to answer questions. Um, and really, that's it. That's like, that's really the best way because I'm on every platform in that way. And until my actual um, uh, Nina Perez.com comes out, that's where you're going to reach me.
0: Yep. Amazing. Well, Nina, yeah. thank you for sharing thank your you. story. And I appreciate you so much being on the show.
1: I got you. I'm loving it. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And remember to reach out to Nina and listen to the podcast, Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. It's great. I'm even on there. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, I am hosting my very first summit. I'm so excited. This is really to help people enhance their recovery and start to build an amazing life beyond recovery. In this event, there's going to be 25 speakers who are entrepreneurs in recovery, who are going to share their story of overcoming addiction, what early recovery looked like, and also some key takeaways and strategies that you can use to enhance your own recovery. And it gets better. For $25, you can get into our VIP lounge, which means you're going to have lifetime access to all the speaker interviews. You're also going to get a gift as a bonus from all of the speakers. This ranges from free coaching sessions, eBooks, meditations, and so much more. So I, I, I don't even know what the value is but I can tell you it's well over probably $4,000 worth of free gifts so you're definitely not going to want to miss this and as a bonus my friend Lane Kennedy and I are also donating our Change Your Brain Masterclass for absolutely no cost. You'll get that when you enroll in the VIP Lounge membership. So you get a ton of stuff on how you can start implementing and taking action right away on enhancing your recovery and lowering the chance of relapse. So I'm super passionate about this. I can't wait for you to hear the stories and the summit is going to be the first week of April. So make sure you head on over to the website www.risebeyondrecovery.ca and we'll see you at the summit. I have had the privilege to walk alongside of many people who have built their foundation and further enhanced their recovery. But unfortunately, there are still so many people who are still suffering that need our help. The Road Beyond Recovery podcast is a proud sponsor of Touched by Addiction. Addiction thrives in isolation and darkness. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. So if you or someone you know has been affected by addiction, there is help. At Touched by Addiction, we are dedicated to exposing addiction and ending the plague. Be that beacon of hope and light that so many desperately need. Each t-shirt or sweater you buy helps to get a struggling addict off the streets and into a year-long addiction treatment program. If you want to support the movement, go to www.touchedbyaddiction.org dot com.